We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean for W. Thanks for pulling up. Uh, so today, this is a Friday show um, because schedules were a little out of whack, out of place with uh, myself, Benson, and Chris. So this is the only time we can really find time to do it this week. Um, hope I... I know 3 p.m. on a Friday isn't always ideal, but here we are. So is life. Um, a lot's going on this week since the last time. Well, the last time I was on study hall, which was about two weeks ago. And there was a lot of people. There's a lot of hand wringing. Uh, a lot of sound the alarms. A lot of woe is me. Well, woe was us, I should say. Um, you know. The, the naysayers came out and it's understandable. And, and, and quite frankly, some of it was deserved because of the performances that we saw, particularly from Julius Randle, who wasn't doing very well. And actually, speaking of Julius Randle's performance, I want to give a shout out to my man Mensa because Mensa, I'm going to find this tweet. Because recently it's come out that Julius is still not doing well, uh, hasn't really fully recovered, not should say really fully recovered, but the remnants, the effects of the ankle surgery, the, the effects of the ankle surgery really um, is, is affecting him. I'm actually trying to find this. I'm actually trying to find this tweet right now. This is, oh yeah, so Stefan Bondi. Um, and shout out to, uh, anonymous BX burner seven, one, eight. Uh, we see you appreciate you. Um, but so Stefan Bondi, uh, tweeted on the yesterday, the, that, that will be Friday the ninth that, uh, Julius is playing through ankle pain during early struggles and resisted Nick's attempts to rest him. And Mensa quote tweeted and said, one, I'm happy he's feeling better now. We need him, which is true. And two, ankle pain should not make you historically bad at basketball. If it does, sit down. And there was a lot of responses like, have you ever played basketball with a sprained ankle? Did you, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? You don't really understand athletes. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, and Mensa, to his credit, you know, was just like, no, I've not played on a on a badly sprained ankle, and no, I'm not a professional athlete. But what he was saying made sense. It's if your performance, if your injury, like there's there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Robert Cross in the building. What's up, Robert? Good to see you. Uh, Ryan Thomas, welcome to welcome to Study Hall. Good to see you. Um, Max Max Marin, welcome to uh, uh welcome to uh Canvas Study Hall. Good to have you with us. Um. Yes, if you're so what I was saying is if you're oh, by the way, if anybody wants to come up, just raise your hand. We can we can just we can just chat all day. But if they say that in, in NBA, in the NBA and in sports, you're either injured or you're hurt. If you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you can't. And for me, the definition, 
The difference was if you're hurt, okay, you're not a hundred percent, but you can, you can, you can, you can grind through it or you can play like, for example, what Kawhi Leonard has been doing for the past. Well, he's, he's different cause he little man just like hell, but like he has a, he clearly has a condition with his leg, with his quad. That's just like not going to get any better. Right. But if you, if you're playing, if your play is bad and it's because of this injury, then what Mensa is saying is that you shouldn't play. You should sit, especially in the beginning of the season, because the last thing you want is because those listen the soft tissue injuries and, and, and ligament injuries. Those things linger. Those things will linger for weeks or months. Um, then he shouldn't have played. And the second thing he said was, Ankle pain should not make you historically bad at basketball if it does sit down. And I think that's where a lot of the, you haven't played before, and how would you? Are you a hooper? It's like, well, no, it's not about being a hooper. It's like, if you are shooting 27% at the rim because your ankle is messed up, then maybe you should not play. Like, see the forest from the trees. And honestly, also, that's an organizational decision. The organization has to say, hey, look, you're still not right. You need a little bit more time. You need a little bit more time. Let's, instead of starting you day one, let's start you, you know, after, let's give you three to five games. Like we just saw Phoenix do that with Bradley Beal and with Bradley Beal. Like he didn't start day one. I think he's making his debut. Either he's making it tonight on Friday or he, or he, or his most previous game he, he, he played. Um, because as I said in the study, as I said in study hall before the season started, Julius Randle's the most valuable player in the sense that if he doesn't play well, like we're not like we have all these dreams of three seed and two seed and conference finals and maybe the finals and 53 wins. Like it's, if he's if he's not good, that's none of that's happening. And that's just the way and that's just the way that our team is set up like like we need we need him whether we like it or not so i don't have a problem with mensa saying like hey what's saying should sit down maybe he shouldn't play if he's that hurt um and i posted a jumbotron and any of you hadn't seen it so that's that next thing i'm gonna give i i mentioned it on casual friday and i'll mention it here i gave a shout out to the rj hive because the RJ Hive has stood in the face of a lot of crap and garbage and 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 takes from casual NBA Twitter, NBA Twitter, NBA media Twitter, um, you know, NBA expert Twitter, that this kid was never gonna be worth anything. And the hives or the supporters, I'm not in the hive, Bob's always a supporter. And even like the pe- the, the neutrals. Like people like Bill Simmons, who said he said this his rookie year. He said, from knowing who he is and knowing who his godfather is, to Steve Nash, and knowing who his background and the type of person he is, he's the type of person that's gonna get it. It may take him a while, but he's gonna figure it out. And I cannot remember another player that was written off as garbage halfway through his first season. Now, we know why. He plays for the Knicks. And he doesn't have a bag. He didn't have. And listen, RJ has done things that hasn't helped his cause, like routinely getting like his shit punched at the rim twice a game, like driving into triple teams and shooting. And but you see now he's making the right basketball play. Everything is coming together. He even said, told Fred Cast the game is slowing down. And not all progression is linear. Not all progression happens on the same. Not everyone progresses at the same rate. Sometimes you got to take one step back to take two or three steps forward. But here we are. And if this kid, and I've been catching a lot of flack for this, and I don't, and I'm, I've been catching a lot of flack for this. So I'm just going to double down. I'm going to say it. Then I'm going to throw it to Robert Cross. If Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. develops a off the dribble jumper that's consistent. He is one of the 25 best players in the league. And as the kids say, I stand on business. Robert, the floor is yours. Robert going once. Robert going twice. All right, Robert, just pull up whenever you're ready. You know, I I got a spot warm for you. Uh, 
Yeah, but and a lot of people push back on me about that, and I'm just like, well, well, think about this. He can already he already gets to the rim at will. Like no one stops R.J. Barrett, Our bagless quote, quote unquote bagless R.J. Barrett. No one stops him from getting to the rim. Shout out to Alex in the building. No one stops him from getting to the rim. Um, shout out to uh, Neo YC one two three. So if he's able to get to the rim. And he's and we see him get to the rim. We're seeing him finish better at the rim this year. As I said before, if you just take two of those, if you take two of those uh, shots where he gets his shit punched, and you turn those into, you turn those from missed shots into four free throw attempts, and he converts three of those four free throw attempts, then. The efficiency improves. He's shooting 59%, almost 60% true shooting this year. The efficiency improves. And then again, also, if he's hitting that if he's hitting that also dribble jumper, combine the fact that I don't know what he was on defense last year. Um, but he seems to be he seems to be much better now. He's actually really good on these good on defense this year. Like, that's a top 25 player. Like, if this keeps up. When it comes around January and they start talking all star, is he going to be a starter? No. And listen, let me be let me be clear here because I got my man Saint in the building from Nets Kingdom. I want to be clear and make sure I say this properly so Saint you don't go run off and tell everybody that RJ is going to be an all star starter. What I'm saying is if RJ's play keeps up and and I don't think he's going to shoot 47% from three. That's going, to re- I, that's going to regress. But if he can shoot league average from three, and if he can maintain the efficiency, have the consistent off-the-dribble jumper, make the right basketball play, get the assists up, when it comes time for all-star conversation, there will be level one of locked-in starters, which he will not be a part of. Then it will be level two, uh, these guys should be the reserves, and then it will be level three, like the guys that we have to mention. Kind of like how Kristaps last year was like, all right, I don't think he's going to make it, but he's the guy we have to mention. Even how Julius was uh, during the We Here season, he went he went from, he was like, okay, here's, of course, some spam, some spam just tried to call me. Um, and then he was in that conversation, then he bullied his way into as a reserve. So, um it's not crazy to say if RJ does all the things that I said that when it comes time for December, January, it's, and we're discussing the, all right, here are the guys that we should mention for All-Star, his name might be in that conversation. And now I yield the floor to one Robert W. Cross. Robert, how are you? Sean, it's always good to be here. Throw me off on this Friday time. Not yeah, sad. it's I'm, I it 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 the schedules just didn't work out. I like we all got a lot going on this weekend, and then they play on and they then the Knicks play on Sunday, and so we're like better late, you know, better something than nothing. So I appreciate your flexibility in joining us. I appreciate you. It's also good to hear some kind words about R.J. Barrett uh, representing R.J. Barrett and Co. Had to take some time out of my day to celebrate his leap. I'm going to let you know that the knee soreness is going to diminish as the cape comes on around the Christmas holiday. By the time the playoffs come, the trade calculus about trading for a star, it's going to be a new narrative. We're going to have two stars in the building. The names are Jalen Brunson and Rowan Barrett. There you go. So it's funny you say that because I was listening to John's post game and someone left a super chat about how if RG keeps up this play, then there won't be, it changes the calculus on why will we trade this 23 year old budding star for a 30 year old Joel Embiid. And of course he reminded us. Yeah. And he reminded us that Fred Katz said like, well, listen, the Knicks are trying to trade for like one of these seven guys, like one of these seven guys that can make you that, that they believe can be the best winner championship team of which Joel Embiid is one of them. So what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that it changes the calculus or it should, well, actually two questions. One, does it change the calculus? And two, should it change the calculus? 
<clears throat> I think it does, and I well, I think one will answer two. So I'm of the belief that we're seeing a leap or progression of sorts from three Knicks players at the same time. And those players are Mitch, RJ, and IQ. Uh, we don't know to what depth and degree that it's going to happen. I think Mitch I think Mitch and RJ are real, right? So, so Mitch is just a mountain. It's just a force. And, he, and as John, I think, was talking about on the putback, it was about consistency. And we're seeing it night in, night out. And I think that that's real. If you notice, he's not uh, getting out of position. He's not aiming to block every shot. He's altering everything. So I, I think that that's real. I actually think um, RJ is going to continue to grow. I think it's going to continue to evolve. I know that there's a lot of comps out there. There's the Jimmy comp. Occasionally you see the Kawhi comp. That's kind of crazy. I think he's his own player. Uh, but I've long been in the hive, and I think Popper was talking about it. It's about mentality. It's about approach and being built for the city, which some people mock, but I've always thought is real. It's a hard place to be consistent and steady in. Notice how he always stands up to the mic after the game. Notice in the past four years, he's rarely, if ever, gotten really riled about all the stuff, including the Mitchell trade talks. And probably the one guy, right, like IQ, is, is balling. He's playing pretty well, even though he's not getting the minutes. So, so this is what I think. <clears throat> I think the Knicks are a title contender this year. I, and I think that will be proven um, in the spring. I think the Knicks are every much a title contender as Boston or Milwaukee. I firmly believe that. Let's break this down. I, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because I, I would love to analyze this. So it's my belief, it's I long held that in order to win the championship, you need to have at least one top 10 player. Usually you have two, but you need to have one. And in 76 years of the, or 77 years of the NBA, the, the only team to buck that trend were the 2004 Pistons. And I've always maintained that the 2004 Pistons, like they didn't have a true number one, but they had a lot of twos that fit, that they had a lot of like 1A, two level players, level two players that fit really well together. Like Ben, like Ben Wallace is a, was a defensive player of the year level. He didn't need the ball. Uh, Rasheed Wallace was a unstoppable force offensively, but he didn't always want the ball as much. So that way he didn't have to worry. Like you never had to worry about like, Oh, Rasheed's not getting his shots. You had, you had Chauncey Billups who had the, who had the ball in his hand. You had Tayshaun Prince who knew his role, defense, rebounding or what have you. Um, you had Rip Hamilton, who was there. You could say their primary, like, okay, we need a bucket. We can go to this, like, go get us a bucket. So yeah. they all fit together. Right. So I want you to break down, and then we'll go to anonymous. Like, yeah, what, why, what makes you think that this team can? Because you need the best. Like, you have to have the best player in a playoff series, or your guy has to outplay their guy. So right. how do you think the Knicks are going to do that? I so, so this is how I see it. Uh, we all saw what Jalen Brunson did last year. And he had very little help for the most part other than IJ's run. Julius obviously wasn't there, and I'm not criticizing the man. Not even going to get into the ankle stuff. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. And IQ didn't play well. Grimes didn't play well. So what, what I see happening is uh, Brunson – doing what he does. And I, and I do believe that there's some room on his shelf, particularly with the three-point shooting. But I think the real difference maker, and I think I said it on a study hall before the season, I think RJ is the most important player. So if he's going to create actions and make smart reads and make, the, and make the extra pass, I think that that's material. It really then comes down to outside shooting, but now you're talking Grimes, DiVincenzo, IQ, 
it's hard to equate Randall in this picture because we don't know exactly what he's going to do. I don't know that we're going to win the title this year. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I should reveal this on here, right? I'll, I'll reveal it before I hand it over to Anonymous because it's kind of a funny thing. But I think the Knicks will represent the Eastern Conference in the finals this year. I think it's going to be the Knicks against Denver. I think that I'm, I'm not believing Milwaukee at all. I think, and I think that we can go toe-to-toe with Boston, honestly. And my, my final thing, and I'll, I'll drop on it, um, part of 53 wins thing, and not wanting to trade RJ is beliefing into it. But the other part of it is I had a premonition that the Knicks win the title next year. And I saw RJ with Larry O'Brien. There you go. I think we'll go back to work. Thank you, Robert Cross. Ever the opt, ever the eternal optimist. Me and Menza. You know, Where's Menza at? Mensa is at work. <laughs> um, I, I should be at work. I should be at work, but here we are. Um, hopefully, my. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate, AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. Shout out to uh, Ben Kim Gurvey in the building. I appreciate you. And pause. Thanks for pulling up. As well as Jaivon and Ben Godfrey and to Jester. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And and Sean Christmas. Welcome to uh, Nick's Film School. And C.T. Pittman in the building. Shout out to C.T. Pittman. Long time supporter of, of, of Nick's Film School. Uh, Anonymous. That was a lot from Robert Cross. Um, let us know what what do you if you have anything to say about that, or if you have anything to share, anything you anything different you want to share. The floor is yours. Actually, I just wanted to come up here and agree with uh, Robert. Um, I didn't have the balls to tweet it, but I do feel that way because I believe in the depth of the roster. Um, the only thing is that made me uh, reluctant to tweet or say anything towards uh, anything about that was uh, I don't know if the guys are going to show up. If they show up like they have been, I believe I believe in the depth and the shooting is going to be the real question. But besides that, I'm not afraid of anybody in the East. I think we could be anybody in the East. I think we could represent the East. I think we're we're a tough team. We play physical. If you look at our depth, we have great depth. Um, we have a top power forward, even though he hasn't showed up. But I feel like the excuses for him not showing up in the in the playoffs are real, despite what other people think. Um, I feel like we have a top point guard. We have a shooting guard that's two-way. If you look at it, I feel like our roster can compete with anybody. The only question was uh, a small forward and RJ, and I think he's here. So I do believe this roster could compete with anybody. It just depends on our shooting. Everything else is is as long as we we show up and we shoot and we hit the open man, 
and we're and the, the student comes across, I think we'll be fine. I mean, yes, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go, for lack of a better phrase, like, yeah, it's possible. Like, listen, if one if one other person showed up in game six in Miami, this seems I think this seems in the conference finals. Um, or at least we win game six and then we have game seven in the garden and then who knows, right? Um, but then again, it's the shooting, like the shooting, the, what, what, what has always scared me, and we'll go to Vivek after this, was always, cons- my concern is like when the shooting dries up, what do we, like, what do we do then, right? Um, if, and, and that's why, and, and, and uh, XJ kind of mentioned it, mentioned it yesterday on today's episode of Casual Fridays, like we need more from Grimes. Like we need Grimes to put the shots up. We need Grimes to make the right decisions. We need Grimes to do those things. He is so, he's so key because, you know, when we get to the playoffs, like if they, if they think the pain is clogged now, what are you going to, what are they going to see? <laughs> what are they going to see in May, in May, in April and May, I'm, right? I'm not worried about Grimes because the thing about Grimes is he's not touching the ball. If he gets the looks, he's going to put them up. So I'm not really worried about Grimes. My thing is about the the the, the shots falling in. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I'm not I'm not too worried about Grimes because he's doing he's playing defense. He doesn't get the ball that often. RJ is the connecting piece in my in my opinion. RJ is the one. He's the second ball handler that in that in the starting lineup that gets the, that sprays the ball around for uh for Brunson because Brunson is not a good passer. So the best passer in that line in the starting lineup is RJ. So once RJ gets gets RJ should be able to get the ball uh, because I think they're gonna put a bigger man on Jalen because Jalen he he struggles with height. So I think RJ is the most important piece. And even if say like uh, the Zach Levine trade rumors, I don't think Zach Levine is a good piece with the the starting lineup in place for RJ because Zach Levine can't pass like RJ. So RJ RJ is one hundred percent the key uh, for the starting lineup, and you see that when he was out, they they struggled because Brunson is not a good passer. He's not a real point guard. So RJ's RJ is more of a uh, a point a point forward or a a, a guard type than he is uh, anything else. So I think RJ is as long as RJ is passing, and he sees the open man like he's has been recently. I think we're going to be fine. I, I honestly believe that. And the second unit is okay. That quickly and um and the Vincenzo combo, that, that one-two pick and roll that they could play off each other is going to be deadly. They're going to have bench other bench units in, in shambles. So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm confident that that bench unit is going to is gonna kick ass this season and in the playoffs if because they're going to show up. I, I believe it. And as long as RJ is showing up, passes has open lanes, it's going to be a problem. Because since his rookie year, he's been able to get downhill and put pressure on the on the on opposing teams. So we'll be all right. From your lips to God's ears, um, like, and before we get to the fact, I'll just say: so in the beginning of the year, I had my predictions. I predicted. Uh, Cleveland one, Boston two, Knicks three, Milwaukee four, Philly five, Atlanta six, uh, Miami seven, Chicago eight. I think the Knicks, the Knicks, I think can beat all these teams in a playoff series except for I think okay, I think we can beat Cleveland. We can beat Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee, I think we beat Milwaukee because that perimeter defense is cooked. Uh, I don't know how they fix it with Dame in the playoff series. Uh, Atlanta, Miami, whatever. Philly, Philly would have the best player in the series, but then again, you know, I, I like Joel Embiid. I'm a big fan of his, but his record speaks for itself in the playoffs. Boston is what scares me because we used to be a bad matchup for them. Now, like, this Kristaps thing is made it the other way around. But then again, we're up six or three minutes left in a game where Brunson and Randall couldn't hit the Bronx out of a barn. So... It's not. It's not the craziest. RJ has Tatum's number anyway, so I'm. I'm. I'm good. RJ. RJ. He's been a thorn on his side since his whole career. Look, like I said, listen. It's not crazy. 
Like conference finals isn't crazy. Just things have to fall the right way. And as of every team, every team needs a little bit of luck. Um, thank you, Anonymous. Appreciate you. You can stick, you can stay on stage, stick around if you want. Next, we'll go to Vivek. Vivek, good to talk to you again. Any thoughts and anything you've heard, or if you want to bring, if you want to discuss something else, uh, let us know. And also for those in the audience, if you want something to say, but you can't, uh, for whatever reason, join the stage, you can leave it in the chat in the lower right hand corner uh, the little purple oval and we will read your comment on the air and answer any questions you may have Vivek welcome to KFS study hall how are you thanks for having me Sean first off how are you you know it's Friday I'm having a good day um, part of the reason why I'm part of the reason why this is on Friday that this time is because I'm going to my wife's aunt's birthday party and people are flying in from like all over the country this, this evening. And then we're having like a little like pre Thanksgiving thing the next day. So, um, it's going to be a good weekend. So I'm in, I'm in a good, I'm in a good mood. So thank you for asking. I appreciate you. Good, good. Glad to hear Glad to hear. Um, look, I, I missed a chunk of this, so I'm just catching up. So, um, I mean, I, I've kind of like, I've kind of had a sluggish start to the watching these games. You know, uh, when the season started, um, I was in uh, I was in London for the most part, so I missed a good. I missed the first few games, which included whatever happened in you know Atlanta and New Orleans. Um, so by the time I got back, I kind of was at the tail, like the beginning of the back to backs with Cleveland and then uh, the Milwaukee game, and then you know. Um, Obviously, Clippers and you know Spurs. Um, look, I think I think we're going to see some positive regression in some areas, uh, which are much needed. Um, and in due course, you know we do got to shoot better. Obviously, it's going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of when. Um, you know, maybe the free throw shooting is you know that hopefully that gets a little bit better. Um, but I think that's going to come with you know just just incremental improvements. But I think the I think a chunk of the Villanova guys, they haven't really played that well to begin with this year, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I know Brunson had his big game, but did he, do we really think that he could, you know, there's there's so much room to get better for him too. Um, you know, Dante's kind of, he's starting to get a rhythm now. He's even a little bit all over the place. Um, Hart, uh, we know that too. Um, I think RJ coming back is kind of like, you know, kind of right in the ship a little bit, but it's something to keep in mind that, you know, if RJ was to miss some games, you know, maybe, you know, playing Josh Hart as many minutes as we did during those two games wasn't really the best idea, um, but it was done without choice. Um, but again, you know, I think, I think what's great about this team and what's probably maybe annoying from the fan base is that we're kind of consistent, you know, we think about it this way, right? We started this year with a nine-man rotation. We only went to a nine-man rotation last year, like in December, two months in. Think about how wild that is, right? You know, we're already going with a nine-man rotation, and the only difference is that we have Dante instead of Obi Toppin. That's literally the only difference. This yep. is basically the same exact team as last year, except you know we well we could say, and what everybody's mentioned so far is that. If Mitchell Robinson's not getting any votes for any of the all defensive teams, then I would say I think the the reporters from the New York media that are um, they're not doing their duty um, if they don't you know don't even consider it because he's going he's gonna he's gonna have serious um, conversation about what defensive team you got to put him there, um, you know. I think people just ignore. They just they want him to like expand his game, or they want you know they want they want Mitch to score more often. But really, the improvement we're seeing right now is stuff that is, does not show up on a box score, and you know his impact is just immeasurable. Um, it's probably one of Tibbs's greatest development stories as a head coach um, ever, and as I say, ever is really since the beginning of the Bulls days. This is probably his greatest development project. Um, and I think, I think, you know, what we're seeing from him, and obviously I think what we're seeing from Hartenstein, I mean, you know, 
what what we've been able to have with these two bigs, we can't, you know, we cannot discount that. We should, you know, you know, they're going to be a force to reckon with, um, and they're going to give bigs like obviously Wemby a reality check in some sort of way. So, look, it's only six games, but or not not six games. It's eight games now, um, but you know, we got a long season. But you know, I'm kind of excited, but I'm also like. It's kind of just been a routine in a sense, so it's kind of it's kind of funny in some regards too. No, it is. Um, it, it, it's funny you bring up the fact that every nothing has aside from Divincenzo for Obi Toppin, um, nothing has really changed, and that it's the same roster and the same it's the same rotation and the same amount of people in the rotation, like the nine man rotation, which we it took us twenty six games before we went to the nine-man rotation last year. Continuity was the word that had been thrown around, and it had been mocked by the detractors inside the fan base, and it has been embraced by the supporters within the fan base. And continuity matters. Like, knowing, like, again, I keep telling this story. Fred Katz told the story on, on the pod of John earlier this week and how... Josh Hart made the pass, excuse me, RJ made the pass to Hart in the corner and he did not see him, but he knew because where his man was, he'd be there. Part of that comes down to obviously his ability because not everyone could throw a pass to someone if they can't see them. But on the flip side, that's kind of, it's like, and he has, and he has even um, played with Josh Hart that long, but knowing like, okay, the way our office is set up, the way things are set up, this guy's going to be in the court. I can make this, this pass. That matters. Now, are there things, are there things they need to clean up? Of course. Um, I'd like to see Julie, not Julie. I'd like to see Jalen Brunson not shoot better from two than from three. One thing I noticed is that we got, um, you know, this second unit is potentially going to be dangerous uh, for op- opposing teams at a greater clip than it was uh, last season. Um, I think last season we got the heart stimulus, but I think having having DiVincenzo, once he figures out his shot um, in a more consistent basis and a more consistent angle, it's, um, you know, they can really put out um, these, like, death second unit lineups, and um, that's gonna, that's gonna cause a lot of um, problems for other teams. Um, and, you know, you can put a lineup of, let's just say, quickly, uh, quickly DiVincenzo RJ Hartenstein, you know, you can even flip, uh, if, if you know whether it's Hart, whether it's Brunson, whoever it is, you know, you could you can kind of mix and match in there. And I think the one thing when it comes to this team is that uh, two things, right? So one, unlike you know the Tibbs narrative of playing vets is gone now. Obviously, let's you know we can dead that now in twenty twenty four. And the second thing is that. Um, there's versatility in the sense that the minutes distribution can kind of be somewhat consistent beyond Brunson and Randall in a sense where, and even to them, there can be some sort of like a managing of minutes where it can somewhat be even. And if someone's not playing well in a certain stretch, whether it's Grimes right now, whether it's Dante, you know, going forward, whether it's Hart, you can kind of even out the minutes. And I think everyone can have a chance to eat as long as, you know, they are um, they're aware of the bigger goal. And I think, you know, give it a little bit, give it a couple more games. And I think I think this team is destined for to make a big run um, and it's going to be a long winning streak. Um, and I think it's coming soon. Yeah, I think I think a winning streak is coming. Also, I think that there will be because this team they play hard every night. They're prepared. They like we heard often last year that the Knicks won the teams that other teams want to play the least because they knew they were going to be tough. They're going to have to work. There's you know hard nosed physical, and you get beat up after playing the Knicks. So listen, there's going to be a there will be a time where we win like seven in a row, six in a row, maybe even eight in a row. Like well, there'll be at least a one or two five game winning streaks. Um, especially when this schedule evens out because one, our first 10 games were really tough. And like John said, 
five and five. He would have signed up for five and five, or we, and we only need two wins out of our next two. One win out of our next two to get to five and five. Um, but also, like you know, the okay, we 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 opened with arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference at home. Then we had a back-to-back with Atlanta and New Orleans. And again, Atlanta and New Orleans back-to-back is one of the sneakiest back-to-backs in the league, especially on a weekend. Um, And then we had Cleveland on a back-to-back. And then we had the Clippers and we had the Hawks and like just a lot of good teams. And uh, then we had to deal with Wembenyama and all that jazz. We'll get to that in a second. But and now with the Knicks have the Knicks played on Wednesday and they have they're off Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then they have the dreaded mat- noon matinee, the dreaded Sunday noon tip-off against the Hornets. Now, I would think that the Hornets are going to be out partying in New York City, too. But for some reason, that has been an issue with this team, that Sunday matinee, those Sunday matinee games. And then we have four, like, and then that starts a stretch of four games of five nights. So, or excuse me, four, I think four out of six. I'll, I'll double check the schedule. But once you get past that and like the, that really difficult part of schedule, then it's, then it really starts to even out. It, and then there are those opportunities for those four game, five game, six game winning streaks. Uh, yeah. So we have so we have the Hornets on Sunday. Then we have, then we go to Boston on Monday. So that's a back to back day off. Go to Atlanta. Two day off, go to the Wizards for another in-season tournament game, and then back-to-back at Charlotte again. So that is one, two, three, four, five games in seven days. So listen, if we can get through, if we can get three of those next five, that puts us at seven and I can't do math, seven and six. So three and two, yes, that puts us at seven and six. And then after that, at Timberwolves, hosting the Heat, hosting the Suns, hosting the Hornets, hosting the Pistons, at the and then a back to back a home and home with the Raptors. So I'm not worried about this team. I'm not. I haven't. I don't get worried about any team until 20 games in, which is around Christmas. Because by the time you get to Christmas, that's kind of where you are as a team. So we'll see. Thank you, Vivek. Appreciate it. All right, we have some comments. Um, so I'm going to read them first, um, from Saint, who's a Nets fan, who's no longer here, but he's actually one of the few Nets fans that I hang out with on, on, on the internet, on Twitter. Uh, I said, are just having a good year so far. Listen, any, any, any accolades and kudos we get from rival fans, especially the ones across the river, we will take next CT Pittman. Shout out to CT Pittman. I have some very real concerns about the backup power forward role. Yeah, we're getting by now with Hart and others, but what can we do to solidify that position beyond Josh Hart? Who would be ideal? So I remember, and if anyone has a comment or anything anything they want to say on that question, feel free to raise your hand. I'll bring you to the stage. I remember in the offseason, after we traded Obi, and there was, you know, a lot of concern about who will be the backup for. And Benji Ritholtz uh, tweeted something along the lines of, who are all the backup power forwards that we are scared of that Josh Hart can't handle? Which I was like, you know what? That's a fair question. It's like, who are, who are we who are we shaking our boots for? And I, with that said, I don't think next season Josh Hart will be the backup power forward. Partially because... There are going to be changes next season, and I think there will be some sort of consolidation trade, and that will open up the space for a slot for a backup power forward. I think that backup power forward will be addressed in the draft because the Knicks, if things go well, they will have four picks in the first round. We have our own, the Dallas pick, the Detroit pick, and the Washington pick. Um, although I don't know, I don't, I don't think that Washington pick is going to convey because I think they're going to be the worst team in the league. So three picks. Um, I can see that. I can see that being, I can see that being addressed in the draft. I think they were like, okay, we'll see what Trevor Keels is about. We'll see what Isaiah Roby's about. Didn't really work. We'll just go with Josh Hart or they'll go with RJ at the floor against smaller lineups. And honestly, I, I don't mind that because 
One thing Tom Thibodeau has been adverse to is small ball lineups. He wants a true center on the floor for all 48 minutes. We all know he he very, very, very reluctantly played Obi and Julius together. So if we do have Josh Hart or, well, we have Josh Hart, but if we do see RJ at the four minutes, then that'll be a, that will be the team embracing small ball in certain matches where it makes sense. And that's an evolution that we can all get behind the support. So um, in terms of like, like backups, like in the league, like I'd have to go look to see what the backups are that are available, but it's not hard to find a backup power for like come in, set some screens, do some rebound, get come like someone who could come in, rebound, defend, set a screen. Obviously if they can shoot, like league average from three, that would be great. But usually those guys aren't backups; they're starters. So um, it'll be hard to like get one of those. But yeah, I I I I'm not concerned about their ability to find a backup out for next year. As for this year, this is what they got. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to read two more comments and then we'll go to my man, Brian, who just joined the stage. Uh, and this is from Alex. Alex says, I'm petitioning GMAC to suspend more like men. So for conduct detrimental to the vibes, Deuce should get no grief for wearing number two. So if you don't know that, so that refers to on today's casual Friday's podcast, uh, Mensa expresses displeasure that there are end of the bench players who are wearing numbers that many of our team, for lack of a better word, legends would wear. And you didn't really notice it until you see, because obviously the city edition, this year's city edition Jersey is an offshoot of the Jersey from the late nineties. And it was very weird for him to see that Jersey with a number 20 on the back and but not be but not for end of rotation guy i'm not gonna call him a scrub i'm gonna say end of rotation person um and he called out he called out um for example i think dylan windler i should actually have this roster in front of me but he called out the fact that those jerseys with numbers two and eight and 20 should be associated they shouldn't, it's not that they shouldn't be given out at all. It's that they should not necessarily be given to players who aren't really going to play. Um, so, I mean, for me, I see where he's coming from. I don't really care because to me, guys who wear, to me, it's just like, unless it's someone like, obviously like a Patrick Ewing, that, that jersey's already retired. That jersey's retired. That jersey's not going to be worn. Um, but someone like Melo, like since Melo has left, no one has worn number seven. And I'm pretty sure if Dylan Windler went and said, Hey, I like to wear number seven, <laughs> the equipment manager would be like, that's a, that'll be a negative. Um, but for two, eight and 20, like, I don't know, maybe they like, for example, Spree's ambassador for the team. Uh, uh, Alan Houston's in, Alan Houston's in the front office. Um, Larry Johnson is still is still an ambassador of the team. So maybe they asked, or maybe they said, "Hey, do you do you mind if anyone wears your number?" And they said, "Nah." But to Mensa's point, I see where he's coming from, and I, even GMAC had said it that 
uh, maybe just not giving those numbers. So, yeah, Daquan Jeffrey wears number eight. Dylan Wendell wears number 20. And I don't have a problem with Deuce wearing two. Deuce is, Deuce is a fringe player, a fringe rotation player. Um, he's not an end of the, like, I guess he's out of rotation, what have you. But, you know, it's going to happen. It's it's going to happen because it's players really get the number retired. So, you know, those numbers are going to be in rotation again. All right, let's go to Brian. Brian, uh, welcome to Nick's. Uh, film school study hall. The floor is yours. What you got? Hey, Sean. I think the only time the backup forward problem is if Randall goes down for a long period of time. Then I think the next are going to be forced to make a trade or pull someone in because I don't think they'll be ridiculously small. I don't think they can handle Randall being down for like a month or maybe like six weeks. And then it becomes a problem. I don't think there's a I don't think it's just too small of a team. I think we can handle the scoring. Maybe the, the rebounding wouldn't be a problem. P- pick up from other players. But as a power forward, that's the only thing that I think they might be forced to make some kind of trade. I, that's, a good, that's a good point. If Randall goes down, something has to change. I also think that um, I think part of the calculus of them – not replacing Obi for traditional power forward was the fact that Julius plays 75 games, plays every day, and he plays every day. Um, so I do think that's the calculus, but yes, if if Julius, and honestly, it would have to be something like Julius has to be out for like three months. If Julius is out for like two weeks, they're not going to make a trade. If it's going to be even a month, I think they'd figure out a way to get by. But if it's something like, you know, three months or God forbid out for the year, then they'd have to figure, they'd have to figure something out. I'll see with uh, Debbie. I think, I think when, I don't know, I, sometimes I think it's, he's just too much like, um, I can't think of the guy's name. IQ and um, his other, what's the other guy's name? I think he's just too much like, you know, that's when it gets weird. It's like, you know, they all can't hit, but he's a better shooter. I can't think of what his name. What's the other forward's name? Which other, wait a minute, which other forward? Oh, Hart. Josh Hart. Hart, yes. Yeah, I think sometimes he's a combination of Josh Hart and IQ, which when he's on really works, but when it doesn't work, when it's not like the bad qualities of those guys, when they just kind of lose control, that's when it's like, okay, he's lost control a bit. IQ's kind of has that night. Sometimes he kind of loses a little bit of control. And a heart losing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it other than that. I feel like it sometimes just doesn't work. And it's, it's interesting. When it does work, it's great. When he's hitting his three and he's in control and he's not trying to dunk over a seven-footer and he's not, you know, doing some of the hard things that don't work, then I feel like it kind of like it's a, it's a little redundancy. I kind of like it when it's just heart. IQ and then a Grimes type player, which kind of knows more of his lane than uh, Debbie does. That makes sense. Not that I, I hear you coming from. Um, thank you, Brian. Um, and to your point, CT Pittman also said that in the chat. He said, "Yes, that's what I mean." If Randall goes down, yes, if Randall is if Randall goes down, this team this team as currently constructed is in trouble. Well, I shouldn't say trouble, but it's gonna it's gonna be an upward battle because. Then when it comes to size, they will then that's when the Boston's and the Milwaukee's and the Cleveland's will really be able to take advantage of us. Um, so it would be ironic if that happened the year after Ju- that the year after we traded will be topping. That would be absolutely peak, as they say, across the pond. All right. Um, let's see now. We got a few more comments. Let me. I'll read them. Let me scroll to the right. Uh, C.T. Pittman, do you think this team is still mid? <laughs> oh, C.T., you keep receipts. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I think this team is good. I So for those, so the references last year, I said, you know, I picked this, t- I picked them to be 40, I think the, their over under was 42 and a half. I said, they're going to be 45 and 37. I was like, they're going to be mid. You know, they're not going to be great. They're not going to be a title contender. They're not going to be terrible. They're going to be in the middle. And I did, and I had hashtag embrace the mid. Um, this team is a good basketball team. They won 40. I can't remember if they won 47 or 48. I, but I have basketball reference in front of me, which is now going to load. Of course, it's going to take forever while it's loading to literally to go back to one, one page, but whatever. Um, yeah, this team won like 47, 48 games last year. This is a good basketball team. And I've been saying that ever since 
last January. Like, this is a good basketball team. If anyone tries to say this isn't a good basketball team, you either have an agenda, you either have an agenda, or you're just not really paying attention. Um, so there's that. Next, then uh, from Ben Kim Garvey. Hello, Ben. How you doing? Um, Deej, I see your hand. We're getting. We will get to you next, my brother. The analog, the analog for the uh, over ten person lineups from years past are the variable minute distributions in each game within the lineup itself. I absolutely agree. Like when you have a rotation of ten or more players, like it's hard to. F- juggle all those minutes and there's going to be a day where one guy gets five and the other day he might get 15 and vice versa um and i think Tibbs even came out and said it like he had a hard time trying to fit um everyone in the 10-man rotation so once after dallas came through the garden and kicked our ass and his job was on the line he said all right if i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down my way and i can respect that and that's what he did so yeah, the 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 ten person line like lineups with ten or more. I think the saying is, especially in the playoffs, like um, you have nine, you play eight, and you trust you trust seven. Yeah. So the shorter the better. Obviously, you don't want a seven man rotation for the year. Uh, you want a solid eight guys you can depend on, which is why, which is my concern about the uh, the the. Boston Celtics because he's got a really good top six and then it gets dicey. So, all right. Uh, unless anyone else wants to come up, uh, this would be our last speaker. This is my man Deej, who has started a space weeknights from 8 to 11 uh, Monday through Friday. Good luck with that. And I don't mean that facetiously. It's a lot of work to be on right? 8 to 11 every night, but you know something? Give it a shot. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and the Knicks won 47 games last year. I don't know why I thought they won 48. Deej, the floor is yours. Wow, what a greeting. Uh, first and foremost, peace and love to the room. Peace and love to Knicks Film School. And peace and love to my Ravens flock brother, Sean, and the flock we trust. Caca! The flock we trust. Um, yeah, I wasn't really thinking that through with the every night. I should have said every night that the Knicks are off. So, but uh, like the night before, night after. I know C.T. Pittman is giving me the thumbs down. He wants me to rock that show every night, and I appreciate the love. But, hey, Sean, I just came up here to ask you in Knicks Film School a question. Just specifically, you know how my thing is, is more about offense for me. Defense is going to be great regardless going forward. So my question to the Knicks Film School and you seems like key the key number for us in every single win is 20 assists. Uh, what's your thoughts about the Knicks ball movement in the in the week that we just went two and oh they lucky number was 28 for both both games peace and love appreciate you sean appreciate your next film school and i'm out enjoy your weekend thank you deej um and so funny i never thought of it there being a magic number that if the knicks hit this number they win i mean obviously if your assist numbers are higher you're sharing the ball more and if you're sharing the ball more that leads to easier buckets you're more likely to win i think that I'm looking at like well, the person I'm looking at is RJ Barrett because RJ is for the most part making the right basketball play. And what have we said, Deej? In, in we've said it in spaces all the year last year. Like when the ball moves, good things happen, and we and we find the open man. We get a good shot. When the ball sticks, it doesn't. And listen, we got our point guard is a bit of, needs the ball in his hand. Our starting power forward, our two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA player, needs the ball in his hand. Our prince that was promised, the third pick of the 2019 draft, needs the ball in his hand. But when those three guys, especially Randall and RJ, when those three guys are making the right pass, making the like getting the hockey assist, making the right basketball play, good things happen. And I do know that this team is in part of their part of their philosophy is their risk avert. Like Tom Thibodeau hates turnovers more than anything else. Like more worse than bad defenses hates turnovers. So the thing about when you if you embrace you know more ISO heavy ball, 
is that well it's harder to turn the ball over when you pass it it's like the old it's like the old saying that you should say about football back in the day about passing like when you pass the ball there are three outcomes and only two of them and two of them are bad but this team with the guys they have like a brunson grimes who has some playmaking in him we know rj has playmaking in him we see, we know Jewish Rand has playmaking in him. Even Mitch, when Mitch grabs a rebound, they teach Mitch to look for the corner and get the ball out to the corner when he, if he gets an offensive rebound. Um, good things happen. And I hope that there is more trust in those players to make those passes. But some of these players aren't really good at passing, aren't as good as passing the ball. I'm not going to name any names. You can hit me on the side. But um, yeah, like, Good things happen when we pass the ball, which sounds so simple. It's so simplistic. But you know what? In life, the simplest answer is often the right answer. Um, so thank you for that question. Thank you, Deej. Appreciate it. I think we have one more question. I'm looking through the chat. Oh, it's CT Pittman saying no thumbs down on Ravens fans. Listen, CT, um, I just like to remind you that your football team is garbage because you've been outgained in every single game that you played this year. So this black magic voodoo that you've been pulling, that you've been pulling off for the last, actually, you know what? I want, I want the Steelers to keep pulling off black magic voodoo, pulling wins out of their rear end in the fourth quarter, because that will convince you that Kenny Pickett is the answer at quarterback and you won't take quarterback in a draft and you, and then, but guess what? You'll be nine and eight and you can, you can, you can, you can hang your banner for, We've never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin, and you can hang that banner again next year. And then I will. And then listen, you come to Vegas, and you can check out me and Deej watching the Super Bowl. And of course, the Ravens will make the Super Bowl when it's Las Vegas, and it's because it's going to cost three million dollars to get there. All right. Uh, two things I want to say before we get out of here. Um, one. And I forgot one of them because I'm old and I forget things all the time, but it'll probably come back to me Uh, Two. So today is the today is November 10th. Um, That's when we're recording this. Tomorrow is November 11th, which is actually actual Veterans Day. And Veterans Day started off as Armistice Day because it was the day the treaty was signed to end World War One on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Now, as I said yesterday, as I said on Casual Friday, support for uh, uniformed officers, whether they are civilian or military, is very politicized. But... I give all praise and dap to anyone who put on a uniform, took a, held a weapon in their hand, and stood at a post. Um, that includes my uncle, uh, former Lance Corporal Denzel Brown of the U.S. U.S. United States Marine Corps, who is deceased. That includes those who are living, including, for example, I ninety five bully. Shout out to him; he's a vet. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to anyone who has made a decision far braver than I ever have to stand a post with a weapon in hand on the front, on the front lines or the back lines or any lines. Cause those are lines that I'm not going to, those are lines that I'm not going to be on. So salute to all the veterans out there. Um, and because I cannot remember the last thing I was going to say, I think we, Oh, now I remember. Okay. And this is how we'll end, this is how we'll end the show. So it's been circulating that Amin El Hassan said that the Knicks are in a civil war and it was circulated. It was and his comments were aggregated by this website called uh, what is it called again? Let me see. It's called. I don't know what the website is called. Um, basketballreport.com or something like that. Um, First of all, I don't know who that is. Number one. Number two, uh, the, the, uh, uh, unfortunately, the, the the original tweet from Nick's Muse that posted it has been deleted because um, it was kind of it was taken out of context. And I actually posted shout out to Alex from um, Nick's Fan TV who pointed out that they had him and CP the franchise. Shout out to CP had a mean on their show and a mean around August and a mean mentioned again, the civil war and what he meant by that. And I posted in the Jumatron for anyone who wants to see, uh, and do anyone wants to check it out. Like you can check out the whole episode, but there's like a two minute clip where he breaks it down. So I'll say two things. One, we as a fan base cannot overreact to every little 
a-hole aggregator website and Twitter account that like we know Knicks for clicks is a thing. So let's not give these people who don't watch our basketball team, who don't know anything about our players, for, except for what they see on Twitter and what they hear about on first take and what Stephen A says, they don't know our team. We ignore them. We so like basketballreport.com, whatever the hell that is, we ignore them. Now, when it comes to Amin Al Hassan, Amin is actually to me, he's actually one of the better NBA analysts out there. Like he's not he's not out there for shtick. He's not out there for like, you know, I mean he'll cry jokes, but like when it comes down to discuss basketball, he discusses basketball. And what he says, I don't have a problem with it with. And they in the sense that there are guys that like know how to play the right way, and there are guys that not necessarily don't know how to play the right way, but they don't they don't think they don't think the game. It's one thing to play the game, there's another thing to think the game. And that's in any sport. And the example he gave was in the playoffs against the Heat, where I think it was either game three, I think it was game three, where we went down big and then we started to claw back, like IQ some shots, Grimes hit some shots, whatever. We're starting to cook a little bit. And then Julius, then we get a steal, Julius comes down and he chucks up a three. And he's like, oh, instead of like passing the ball to so-and-so. And it's like that, those are the decisions that we had, those are the decisions that have to improve. And I think he's and I think he's right. So I don't want us as a fan base. And look, we have endured so much crap from the mainstream media, from casual NBA fans, from hardcore NBA fans, from NBA media, Knicks for clicks, LOL Knicks, all that stuff. We don't get the benefit of the doubt. And, and, and that reputation is somewhat deserved because of what we went through the last what our performance last 20 years. But take the time out to figure out who are the people to pay attention to and who are the people that's not paying that to not pay attention to and the people that we should not pay attention to do not give them your time do not give them your energy do not um do not give them your do not give them your time a day um and with that we will wrap up i like to thank all of our callers so that's robert cross vivek anonymous brian deej i appreciate you very much again um this is veterans day observed so please you know if you have any veterans in your family or close friends or 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 extended family um you know say what's up to them give them give them you know give them a shot on what have you um, and final announcement before we go, um, I like to thank everyone for joining because this will be the last edition of KFS Study Hall on Twitter Spaces. Going forward, we are moving to playback. Yes, KFS Study Hall is moving to playback. Um, it's it's a much better um, it's a mu- it's a much better experience than here. Um, so if most of you are if so, if you're a canvas patron, you already have the playback account because you've been watching games with us. If you not go to uh, playback dot go to the, download the app um, and then search for next film school. I'm sure we'll also post. Um, actually, we have it somewhere. Um, we'll post a link so you can join the next film school community because that's where we're going to have study hall as well as our watch alongs. Um, so check that out. Um, you know, so absolutely check that out. Um, and I see Brutus is in here. Brutus, we're wrapping up, but I do want to give a salute and a shout out to you. Um, happy Veterans Day. Um, as I said earlier, much respect to all the veterans and all those who, who, have, who stand the post and all and serve on the front lines because that is a decision that is far braver than I've ever made. So shout out to you and shout out to uh, Brownsville in the building. Shout out to Melly in the building and shout out to Robert Silverman in the building. I uh, appreciate all of you. So we're going to wrap it up here, but again, appreciate all of you. Um, and you are a part of the last edition of and KFS study hall on Twitter spaces. So um, with that being said, thank you for listening. Next nation. Let's ride.